Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. And Kim, today we're talking about what you're calling the 10-year budget. Uh, you've, you've done a budget and a plan looking 10 years ahead. How on earth do you do that? Because I can't even work out what I'm going to be paying for in the next couple of weeks, let alone 10 years. So what on earth are you doing? Well, 10-year budget really is my retirement plan. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I mean, a 10-year budget um, is, re- depending on what stage you're at, if you're at 25, it's not going to be a retirement plan. I, th- I, I mm. like to look 10 years into the future and just map out exactly what my life's going to look like, what expenses I've got coming up, and just budget for it. I mean, I hate budgeting, and that's yeah, not I my... It's, it, I think everyone hates budgeting. Yeah. And I've met very few... Every now and then when I sit down for drinks with people, I'll just go around the group and say, do you have a budget? Do you have a budget? It's no, 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 no. And then someone will say yes. And they'll get their paycheck and they'll divvy it up into envelopes on the floor in the lounge room. You know? <laughs> and it works really well, but I, I just can't be bothered doing that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it just takes all the fun out of life. Hmm. You know, you're on, you've got 20 bucks for, you know, uh, well, 100 bucks for a week and that's for beer and smokes. And I just think it's just... It's just too con- it's constricting. So the, now, so with the ten-year budget, it sounds like it's just um, so hard to do when you don't know what you're doing one week to the next. I'm like that as well. However, if you do forecast out what your what your major things are in life, like your um, your income and expenses, you can get a pretty rough uh, and pretty. Um, more accurate than you than you like, even though it's you know pretty loose um, map for you to work within over the next ten years. And and what I'm talking about is what income do you earn, right? What what does my business earn? What are my expenses? What are my big ticket items that are coming up? And you just put it all in there as, as far as you can see into the future at the moment, and just see what it looks like. And you can factor in growth, and you put in your assets and all of that. I mean, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, mm. but that's sort of the framework in in what I'm setting out to achieve. And I, I mean, I'm a financial planner. I'm ticketed as a financial planner, and the number one question I get as a financial planner is, "Oh, we don't think we're going to have enough money to retire on." And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I probably I'm a great believer in if I've implemented a system for myself and it works then I can explain it and do it for my customers. Mm. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm 45. I'm going to be retiring in 10 years' time. I need to know whether I'm going to have enough money. Mm. So where do you start? So you start at the current financial year that you're in and you look at what you earned last year and you add a factor of 5 or 10% as growth. Then you look at all your bills, like your, mortgage, your big ticket items, like your mortgage, your credit card bills every month, um, car repayments, house, re- uh, yeah, personal loan, or whatever you've got. Throw it all in there. Be upfront and honest, because the more honest you are and the more detailed you are, the more you'll get out of this exercise. Mm. And holidays as well. Do you? Yeah. So the big ticket items are your car. Uh, when are you going to update your car? When are you going to travel overseas? As I'm finding, that's becoming more and more frequent. <laughs> it was once every couple of years. Yeah, but now so it's two or three times of, a year. Over the course of 10 years, do you add extra holidays and build, almost build that in as well? Yeah. yeah. So our Sort of more kids, lifestyle considerations. Yeah. So if he wants to take the kids to Europe, 
it's going to cost a bomb and we want to do it when they're about 12 mm -hmm. so you can work out when that's going to occur and roughly what it's going to cost mm -hmm. and your car you know I'm a great believer that you drive your car into the ground until everyone starts calling it the old bomb you don't update it now if, if it's part of your image and your brand mm -hmm. then you do need to update and you can work out whether you're going to update your car every two or three years or every five years or every ten years whatever uh, and so and then the other one was school fees mm -hmm. you can work out what that's going to cost um, factor it in by a growth factor of about 4% and map it all out. Well, just start on the first year and hope like hell it's going to be a positive number down mm. the bottom. So do you, at this point, have you set your retirement date? Yeah, so, 55. Yeah. So, you're, so you start with the end date and work backwards? No, I start with the current date and work forward okay. and roll it out until I hit 55. Yeah. And then I put all my properties in there and all my loans. And the beauty of that is your loans stay the same. Mm. So if you've got a loan today for $2 million, that loan in 10 years' time is still going to be $2 million if mm. it's interest only. Whereas your properties, which are worth a lot more than that, all grow up. And I've put in a growth rate of between 5 and 7% a year. Mm. Okay. So it's a good number when you look at it over a long period of time, yeah. what your property's going to be worth. And you think, no way will my property be worth that in 10 years' time. Yeah. Sure enough... I've done this, this is my second 10 years, so I did one 10 years ago, and it's almost spot on. Wow. In fact, the property was actually higher wow. than I predicted in the past. Well, on that, property is key to you in terms of what mm. you do, but is critical as part of this 10-year plan, isn't it? Yeah. And in terms yeah. of um, what if someone looks at their goal, they might be thinking, geez, actually, I think I might be going to... I think I'm going to fall short of that yep. goal. Is property key to yeah. working that? So that's that's my um, suggestion is th whatever you're short, just throw some more property in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, just to add a little more property here and a sprinkle of more property <laughs> there. Right. It's just like, it's like a recipe, isn't it? Yeah. No, but the, the important thing is that if you're on a wage or running a business, you're limited in massive growth spurts. Whereas with property, if you plug one in and you get all the numbers right, you can add a significant, you could add like $100,000 to your bottom line of your net wealth in one year. And if you've got 10 years, you wouldn't be able to do it every year, but let's just say you did it every second year, you can easily add $500,000 in today's dollars to what you end up with in 10 years' time. Negative gearing is a key key player in all of this is it here to stay well last election remember i was worried like hell yeah. <laughs> we got over the line we, <laughs> negative gearing is here to stay it's costing the government six billion dollars a year in reduced tax collection they hate it mm. if they could remove it it would solve a lot of their problems a lot of their budget deficits mm. however They've tried to. There's so much resistance. It's part of our culture. It's been around for ages and it's here to stay. Mm. There's nothing on the horizon that suggests anything otherwise. And thank God for that. <laughs> what if they do remove it? You just shut up shop all over. Well, I don't think it's all over. It's just that you would... The, the biggest concern for me is, I mean, you'd lose the tax deduction, which is a huge advantage. However, you could deal with that. The big 
problem from my point of view is the massive drop in value in property as people exit the market. Mm. And with that is revaluations, banks adjusting to the, to, to the new framework and there'd be some sort of fallout. Maybe mm. interest rates would go up. Maybe they would make you sell some property. You know, it could almost spark like a mini um, property um, meltdown meltdown or bubble burst or whatever you'd like to call it that that's what concerns me um, if everything's just steady and doesn't really grow a lot that's better than a fall but just um, a nice steady gradual growth curve is perfect so with this process that you've gone through what else came out of it for you I mean did you discover anything about your own situation are you travelling worse or better than you thought where are you at so for me, um, I'm travelling a lot better than I thought. When I get to retirement age, um, 55, I'm going to have enough money to last way beyond my life expectancy, which is 85, and, and living the lifestyle that I'm accustomed to. So that's good. Mm. And that's I, I felt tremendous after that. I was walking around sort of just feeling um, inspired and as though I'm on track mm. and as though everything that I'm doing is correct. So that was really good. The, the things that occurred was um, at 55, really, my property, um, the, the fun and the growth and all the, the journey that I've had with property is over mm. and it all gets sold, pay the tax and gets put in a bank account. Mm. Now, that's just so boring. But I think when I hit 55, I just want my life to be totally simple, mm. totally under control and it's a new door that's opening and I don't want to be managing properties. I want to say, right, I've had a great run. Mm. I'm crystallising. I'm, um, I'm simplifying. Mm. And I'm just going to make my life easy moving forward so that I can go and travel. I can go and give back. I can, all mm. of that stuff. Whereas if you've got one foot in the camp that you're still managing some property but at less than what you're currently doing... You know, there's a temptation to just keep, yeah, keep working. I don't want to do that. I want to stop completely. Mm. But the thing that I learned is that the phenomenal growth that you're having with your properties, as soon as you sell them all on that, when you're hit 55 and it's converted into cash in the bank, all growth stops. Mm. You know, the the beautiful growth curve in your net assets is over. You're just sitting there with a lump sum sitting in the bank. Mm. I'd imagine that uh, kids would have been a, a pretty difficult line in your budget. School fees. I sat down and worked it out. Yeah, but it's because you send your kids to the most expensive school in the state. That's a factor. It, yeah, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> but, you, uh, you know, I've spoken to some people about it because I actually physically had to sit down and work it out last Thursday for, for another reason. And all that weekend when I was bumping into parents at school sport I was saying do you realise what it actually costs to have your son running around out there on that sports field <laughs> and everyone was the same I don't like to work it out yeah, Kim don't. I don't ever want to work it out I don't mm. want anyone to tell me I just want to pay it as I go along and I said when you, I said to this person as we were having the conversation watching the footy game I said when you actually sit down and work it out there's almost no way you can justify it <laughs> there isn't, there isn't. <laughs> that's the sad part yeah. But we do it. Um, we do it to give our kids the best education we can possibly afford, which I think is great. Mm. Um, we do it because we love the community that we're part of. Uh, 
and we're almost buying a network for our kids for the rest of their lives. It's mm, an interesting point. Mm. Okay. Well, that was an interesting process because when you said 10-year budget, I thought, you have to be kidding me. But now that you've explained it and put it on a bit of a map, I actually understand what you're talking about. And um, But maybe... So it's a bit clearer for you because it's 10 years till retirement. What would you say to someone like me who is 31, mm-hmm. uh, looking 10 years ahead? What What are some of the key factors that I should be looking out for? I'm not... I mean, look, I'd love to retire at 41, but... Um, <laughs> We'll see how we go with that. Uh, I think it's the same principle. You roll out a 10-year plan and just see what it looks like. Just see how you're tracking. And I'm living my dream house. I know that we've spoken about it and you're keen to get that dream house. So you've got to work out for you how you move the pieces around to acquire that. Mm. Um, so you, you, you roll the... The 10-year plan is a tool to work out how you're tracking, what's going to be left over, where it's all at, and it's really a wake-up call to say, if you're not going to hit the target that you want to hit, what steps are you going to take now to re-plot your course, to re-track, to hit it? Hmm. And that's the advantage of the 10-year plan, isn't it? You've got time to correct issues. You've got plenty of time. I think that there's that cliche that says that everyone underestimates what they can achieve in 10 years but overestimate what they can achieve in one year. We have been a bit low on puns and cliches we in the have, last couple of episodes, have. which is unlike us. <laughs> I think people would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I so I think that you can... You'll get a clearer picture when you map it out. What you measure, you can manage. Mm. There you, you go, there's it, another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, on that note... Thanks for listening to Accounting Insider. Check out the website, accountinginsider.net, and get in touch with Kimbo. Thanks for listening.